0: On December 31st, that is the day when some people showed up, probably some hospitals in China, uh, Wuhan, China, with symptoms that were discovered to be from a virus, and it turned out a few days later then, the Chinese government identified the virus as a new virus, and on January the 9th came the first death. And this is called the corona. It's a new coronavirus. Uh, if you pay attention to the news at all, you've heard about it. If you listen to the news or watch a little TV or talk to, uh, to people at work, you have heard about this coronavirus. It was December 31st when it first showed up. By January 9th, it was, there was the first death. And by January 15th, so you're just talking a couple of weeks. It had spread into Thailand and Japan. And now today, just a, a few weeks later, there have been more than 14,000 people infected by it. There have been 305 deaths. And I call it bad news. That's some, that's some bad news. And for all of us, there should be a little bit of fear that goes along with it, because it's scary. But there is a counterpart to something so bad that can spread so quickly. There can be a counterpart, because when God is involved, even though bad things that come... Uh, we can fly to the rock that is higher than I. We, we have someone to turn to. We have someone who provides good news for us. And as I con- ask you to consider today that coronavirus and how quickly it spread, starting just with one person somewhere, and then it spread from that one person to two or three more people, and then each one of those Persons is able then to spread it to a couple more people you see the idea of exponential growth and within just after a month of this thing taking hold now the whole world is wondering and scared about the fact that it could be spread everywhere but there is hope for something that could also spread that is just all good instead of all bad. The good news is designed to spread from one to another, or for two others. And then from those couple of others to spread to two or three others. The gospel is intended by God to be something that infects one person and then spreads to others. It's a counterpart. And I just want you to consider today that that just as the world, the fear of the coronavirus has, has spread to others and the world is full of fear about it, that we can take the good news of Jesus and spread that to others and alleviate the fears, all fears of the world, even the fear of death. The good news can spread quickly too. It's exponential growth. If you go and you map this, and they do have maps online. I was looking and seeing it and the coronavirus, you got, they, they pinpoint where it's going and how much it's grown. And you can see exponential growth. And how quickly one thing can infect the whole world. You see that exponential growth. I ask you to consider that you can be a part of exponential growth too. If you would just take the gospel to one or two or three souls. Share the good news with somebody. Help the world to become infected with the love of Jesus Christ. So now that's the call for us. I'm going to talk about that calling a little bit today as we go through the lesson. But you can look now at the outline and consider. The lesson comes from Exodus chapter 3. And we see somebody else who was called to do something. Somebody else who was posed with the will of God and challenged with something difficult and daunting it seemed like to him. But yet God says, no, go and do it. And I want you to think about, well, God calls us. He calls me. He calls every believer who is infected with the love of Christ to share that love with someone else. To share that good news with someone. That's the call to us. That's the mission of the church. And if we would do this, we could see exponential growth also. So let's go to Exodus chapter 3. And uh, starting in verse number 1, you're going to get the picture of Moses seeing that burning bush that was not burning. At least it wasn't burning up. It was not being consumed, though it was consumed in a fire. And eventually, as God speaks to him, and as God has introduced himself to him, Moses, or God ends up telling the people, Moses in verse number 8, as he's talking about the sufferings of his people in Egypt, God says, so I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. And I can imagine Moses at this point, Moses is going, Woo! Yeah, God, you go, man. Deliver, deliver, deliver. This had to have been encouraging. Because we knew at one point in time Moses was very much concerned about his people, his family, the Israelites. This is his people that God's talking about. And God's saying, I've heard them. I'm going to deliver them. And Moses is probably, oh yes, this is, what a glorious day. What a beautiful thing. God, thank you for letting me know this. And then God says, by the way, I am sending you to do it. And Moses goes, "Woo! i got going to be the one. Oh, wait, no, you know, I guess we better read because I've forgotten the story so quickly, haven't I? It's not how it works out. And here we get into this classic uh, picture of somebody making excuses to not do what he's supposed to do what God clearly calls him to do and what God is going to God isn't going to ask you to do something that you can't do Moses do it and he starts making these excuses just starts kind of backing up a little bit and you know and then finally just says not me and it's just like it's clear this is man I identify with Moses we get Moses we understand Moses and we're going to go ahead and look down through it but we get it If you've read this story, if you ever, you've probably heard a sermon on this before. I got the same sermon. Excuses, 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 and God says, You're not excused. Go do it. So, verse number 10, it says, God's still speaking. He says, Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. God says, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to deliver them, I'm going to save them, I'm going to take them to the promised land. It's going to be great, your people are going to be saved, and it's awesome, and you're going to do it. Verse number 13. Um, excuse me, verse 11, chapter 3, verse 11. I don't know how where I, my eyes skipped to there, but chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And, you know, you could just, I could, you know, it's hard to just imagine Moses hearing all this. I'm going to deliver him. I'm going to deliver him. I'm going to deliver him. And Moses is probably, man, he's probably looking. He's probably got wide eyes. He's great. And then, you know, his eyes couldn't get any wider because he's so enthralled with this idea of what God's going to do. This is amazing. And then when God says, you're going to do it, you're going to go to Pharaoh, you're going to do it. Somehow his eyes probably got wider, like, you know, what? You know, either that or they just closed like, you know, I don't know what it would have looked like. But it was something, an instant switch from anticipation to, oh, no, you didn't just say that. You're going to go, by the way, I'm sending you. And he says, who? Am I? Who am I? Who am I? I'm I'm out here herding sheep, man. I used to be down in Egypt. I was there. I get that. I know where the place is at. I know how to get there. But man, I you got the not me, not me. Who am I? You want to send me? Look at me. You know, and all these. You know, instantly. The thought of the wrong man, wrong person, I'm not worthy, I'm not ready, I'm not it, I'm not him, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Who am I? He asked this question, Who am I that you want to send me? And God's answer is interesting. God doesn't start telling him about, hey Moses, I'll tell you why I picked you. I'll tell you who you are. He doesn't do that. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't really answer the question. Isn't this interesting? God, somebody asks a question. If you're going to ask a question of anybody, you go and ask God. And he's talking to God. He asks a question. And he doesn't really get the answer. Because he says, who am I? And God is kind of like, wrong question. Wrong question. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you think you are. It doesn't matter if you think you're worthy or unworthy or blah, 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 blah. I'm going with you. This is the difference maker. God sends you to do something. You can do it because I'm going to go with you. Look at verse number 12. And he said, Certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. He doesn't tell Moses, what you know. here's what I see that's in you. This is why I'm picking you. He doesn't say any of that because it doesn't matter. What matters is, is that God says, I'm sending you and I'm going to go with you. I told you what I was going to do, and you're all excited about it. Now that I tell you I'm going to do it through you, suddenly things have changed. Now, ain't that a little bit like us? God is going to reach the whole world. You know, it's a picture of Acts. You know, and you think about, as I've mentioned this uh This coronavirus, and it's starting in one place with one person and growing and growing and growing. I didn't write down this this passage, but I think of Acts chapter 1. Before Jesus went into heaven, he told his disciples. um, He tells them verse number 8. It's a long verse. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, And Samaria, it gets bigger and bigger. And then the next step is, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Starts here, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, and boom, it's going everywhere. You can't stop it. It's what's going to happen. Exponential growth. And when God's involved in something like that, that's, that's what can happen. God is going to make things happen. Because you think about exponential growth and taking a message that starts with just a small group of people and then going to the whole world. How's that going to happen? You're going to pick me to do that? But he does. He picks us to do it and it can be done. Not because of who we are. That's not the point. But because of who God is and what he can do. And that he promises that he's going to accomplish his mission and that he needs us to do it. So get up and go. That's it. Be salt and light in the world. Have an effect on the people around you. Show them truth. Show them love. Show them Jesus. I will be with you. That's the recipe for success. If you have read through Genesis, you saw it with uh, Jacob going into, uh, you know, he was going back to the homeland and God says, I will be with you. I will be with you. And and Jacob says, all right, if you're going to do this for me, then you will be my God. You remember that? God said, I'll be with you. He made a promise. And then Jacob said, I'll make, you will be my God. You're my God. A promise and a promise. So, And then you get to uh, one of Jacob's sons. Of course, Jacob became Israel. One of his sons was named Joseph. He went down into Egypt against his own will, but it was God's will. And everything he did, God was with him and gave him success. God was with him and gave him success. When God is with you, you will have success. That's the recipe. God says to to Moses here, he says, go. I'm sending you, so go and do this. I'll be with you. That's the recipe for success. You don't really matter except for the fact that I picked you. I'm going to make it happen. God is with us and will give us success. So following along with that theme just quickly through these first verses, as we think about some application to us, this, this concept of us being sent by God to do something, to reach somebody, to, to infect the world with the love of Christ. Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20 and Jesus came up and spoke to them, speaking to his apostles, the chosen twelve. It was eleven at this point. But I think when we hear this and listen to this, we hear God talking to us and speaking to us too in the same manner. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you to the end, even to the end of the age. And that's why we hear it ringing; these words ringing to us, even to the end of the age. It wasn't just, he wasn't just promising to be with the apostles. He was promising to be with us. And he tells us to go and he says, I am with you. And the question's going to be, are we going to be like Moses and say, uh, me? You know, you kidding me? Let's not make excuses. Let's go. Let's do this. It doesn't matter any of our inadequacies. God says, I will use you because I'm going to be with you. Uh, Flipping to Romans. uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. And here's the picture of real success. God's with us. So we're going to do more than just have a little bit of success. We're going to be more than conquerors. We're going to be overwhelmingly conquerors. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us... Who is against us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. Who also intercedes for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all the day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him. Who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death. Nor life. Nor angels. Nor principalities. Nor things present. Nor things to come. Nor powers. Nor height. Nor depth. Nor any other created thing. Will be able to separate us. From the love of God. Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If God is for us. We're going to have the victory. If God is with us. We will be conquerors. So he says, "Go, go!" The commander says, "Come over here and fight. Go over there and fight." And whenever I use the word "fight," I'm always going to pause and say, "This is not a physical battle. These are spiritual things." Continuing, First Corinthians chapter one, verses 21, twenty-six and following. Um, We'll go through the end of the chapter here too. And here it says, For consider your calling. And if you will, consider what God has called, called you to do or where He has called you to go. Consider your calling, what you're supposed to do. Consider your calling, brethren. That there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty nor many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things that are not. So that they may, be nullify, that they may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before god but by his doing you are you are in christ jesus who became to us wisdom from god and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as it is written let him who boast boast in the lord and this is all about it's you know moses was like who am i and you know god he still works the same way in this this new covenant that he's got it doesn't matter who you are and actually he chooses the low things the the humble things the things that are look foolish and weak he chooses us to do great things because christ is in us so who am i is a bad question who am i no (laughs) it's who is god who is God? He's the one who can is able to do abundantly more than all we can ask or imagine. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. I wanted to tie this passage in. In Hebrews chapter 11, <coughs> verses 32 through 38, um, the note I have for this is, but understand, that God will be with you through great trials and hardships. The idea of God being with you and giving you success isn't, a magic bullet or a magic pill that's just gonna make everything easy in life, and you're gonna have everything that you desire and want. That's kind of a more of a selfish physical standpoint of, you know, hey, God's gonna fix, I'm never gonna have a flat tire in my life because I'm with God and He gives me the victory. You know, no, that's not like that. It's this it's in this battle that we have between good and evil that, hey man, if we have faith. We live for God and He says, go when we go. Man, it's gonna, some days we're gonna have great victory and it's gonna be obvious and things are good. And other times the great victory might look like us getting demolished and hurt. But to do so in the name of Jesus. So listen to this in verses 32 through 38 of Hebrews 11, talking about faith, a hall of fame of faith that has all these great men who, and women who did great things because they had faith. He says, and what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight, to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. And others were, and here it shifts, just suddenly it just shifts. And others were, and it's still a great victory, tortured. Not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourging, yes also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Yes, even for those who looked like they ended up getting the short end of the stick in life, everything was bad for them in life, They are the great victors. They are the conquerors. Overwhelmingly such in Jesus Christ. Through faith, they conquered. And how did they do it? Because God was with them. They just looked to God. He said, do something, they did it. He said, say something, they said it. He said, go somewhere they went. That's the victory. This is the, you know, this is the only piece that matters. Uh, We look at the paper, we've got, you know, a few more excuses that, that Moses is going to try and come up with. But they don't, they're all lame because God has already said, I am with you. Success is already guaranteed. Yeah, it might be hard. It will be. but God says, I'm with you. Nothing else matters, but God's patient. He kept on um, being patient and trying to help Moses along, wasn't he? Thank goodness, we need that too. The patience of God. And so let's keep on considering. But the message is already over, isn't it? Isn't the message already there for us to consider God has called us to do something? God sends us, God says go, and so we must go. No excuses, everything we try and come up with or every other distraction, it's all just just junk because God says go and I'm with you, you will succeed. So go, do, figure out how you can be salt and light in this world, that is what we must do. Quit making excuses, because in the end, they're all going to sound lame like Moses here. (laughs) Moses talking to a burning bush with the voice of God. You can only imagine how it was booming. And he's saying, "Uh, um, um, no, 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 trying to tell a burning bush it's not burning. No, not being consumed, to be clear. It's still there. God's clearly talking to him, and he's trying to say no. If we do the same stuff, we're just as foolish. He's... Being foolish here, and he needs to say yes to God. So point number two, here's the second excuse, is they may say to me, what's his name? And so now here, Moses is just kind of throwing out red herrings. These things aren't really anything. They're just kind of, you know, just talking, trying to get out of this, whatever I can think of. You know, I'm just throwing out something here. They may say to me, what's his name? Verse 13, then Moses said to God, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, the God... Of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? I've got nothing, so I really can't go. <laughs> you know, it's, no. So God is going to answer him. In verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am. And this is, it alludes to, I think, on the paper here Yahweh Jehovah. This is where the word I am, the verb of to be, a form of this, this what he says here is the name of Yahweh comes from the verb form to be Y, uh, W, Y, H, W, H, however, Y, H, V, H, however you want to work on it. Either, you know, and you can translate it either Yahweh or Jehovah. And this is where the word Lord comes from throughout the entirety of Scripture. He's talking, when God says his name, his name is I Am. His name is Yahweh. That's the same language. It's the same thing. Yahweh is I Am. Whenever your Bible, most Bibles have it in large print. L-O-R-D. L-O-R-D. I don't know if I said it right. Um, Whenever it's in large print, that means that the Scripture was using there... The word Yahweh, Jehovah, I am, I am. He doesn't have a beginning, he doesn't have an end, he doesn't have who I am right now, he's just, I am, I am, the God who has always been, he has no beginning, no end, the eternal God, he is the I am, I am sent you. And that's why Jesus, when he was talking to his people, and, and he told him before Abraham was, I am. He was claiming to be God. He was saying, I am Yahweh. I am God. And that's found in John 8, verse number 58. So when he said, I am, they were going to stone him to death because he was claiming to be God. I am. Yahweh. I am. So what's his name? God actually gives an answer here. I am sent you. Just tell him that. Third excuse that he was looking at. And by the way, then, There's a lot of verses I skip here. I'll just add to this. You can see he's saying that not only am I the I am, but I am the great I am, and I'm going to prove it. I am the mighty one of God, the mighty God. There is none other by me. I'm going to destroy all these other puny little Egyptian gods to show that I am the great I am. And so then uh, chapter 4, verse number 1. Then Moses said, his limited little voice coming out. What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Oh, trouble. Boy, Moses is thinking real far ahead now, isn't he? They might not believe me. I can't go. They might not. Oh. You know, do we ever have that thought going through our heads? They might not believe or listen. Listen. So God says, all right, you're right. They might say that, but I'm going to give you three proofs. Those proofs are listed there. Throw your staff down. becomes a snake. Put your hand in. It becomes leprous. Pull it out again. Put it in. Put it back out again. And it becomes normal again. The flesh is fixed. All right, I'll give you one more third proof. If you take water, dump it out on the ground, it will become like blood. Okay, those are good proofs. So God's providing him with the proofs. God's being patient. All right, I'm going to help you through this. But I already told you that I'm going to be with you. Let's go. <laughs> number four. This is where it gets interesting here. Number four. Verse number 10 says, Then Moses said to the Lord, and I can hear the pleading in his voice, Please, Lord, I have never been... Eloquent, neither recently nor in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I can't do it. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then, go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. And so, uh, point number four here. He says, please, Lord, blah, 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 I'm slow of speech, slow of tongue. God says, I made your tongue. Now go. I don't care if it's a little slow. Don't worry about that junk. Yeah, you got a problem. That's okay. I told you I'd be with you. And he says, and I'm actually going to be, I'll be specifically with your tongue. How about that? I told you I'd be with you. Now I'm saying I'll be with even your tongue. I'll, I'll teach you what to say. Remind you of the apostles. Remind you of us. Are we going to have fear. God says, I'll be with you. Don't be afraid. I say, go, go. Um, Ephesians 10. I have to turn there. I know I'm getting at the end here of the time. I think I'm here getting close to the end of this lesson. But I don't want to miss this one. Ephesians 2.10. Thought for us. For we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus For good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I don't care if your tongue doesn't work quite like you want it to. Or what other excuse you might make. God says, I made you. I've got you ready to do what I've already planned for you to do. So do it. Do it. God's made us to do what we need to do. God says go. So just go. God says speak. Just speak. God says be salt in this world. Then don't be like the world. Be different. Be God's presence in this world. You can do it. I don't care if you feel like I'm just, you know, that might be good for you, Eric, but Man, you're the one who can wear those nice ties, you know, and you're the one who can have an effect on the world. No, God can use every one of us. God has made you and given you people that you're around that nobody else is around. God has prepared you to do something great. God has given you a gift that you can use for his glory. Do something with it. Give glory to God. By the way, and it's very clear then that once you do something, you don't get to say, look what I did. You just say, to God be the glory. It wasn't me that did that. God had that ready for me. He had it planned ahead of time. By the way, on the same opening in my Bible, you can see chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse number 20. Now to him who is able to do. To him who is able to do. Not you who is able to do. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine, according to the power that works within us. It's His power at work within us. Just as he was promising Moses, hey, I'm asking you to do this great thing that I'm going to do, but I'm going to use you to do it. It's my power that is going to be at work within you. Nowhere along the way was going to, Moses was going to be able to stand up and say, oh, gee, look what I did. You know, it's not like that. Glory be to God. Always. All right. lastly, Exodus chapter 4, verse 13. Moses said, Please, Lord. Now send the message by whomever you will. You know, I just, I almost picture him, he's hes done, he's, I can't, no. Anybody else had been there, they would probably said, What would you say, Moses, I can't hear you? And he was like, please, just. Send somebody else. Not me. Send someone else. God responds. 14. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And he said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he's coming out to meet you. I knew your weaknesses in advance. I knew how this was going to end. But I have prepared the way. I have set this before you, what you are going to do. And so now even your great inadequacy of being able to talk that you think is such a hindrance, I'm taking care of that too. God provides help with our shortcomings. God's going to get the job done, and He can use you to do it. You know, and and it's nice being a part of a church because it's, I can't do this on my own. And yeah, we're a part of a church. We work this together. We're in it together. We are not alone. We are part of a body with all different kinds of parts, with different talents, different gifts and abilities. And so God is Put us together so we can help each other with our shortcomings. So don't say no, just start doing what you can. And God will provide the success. He is with you, He will get the job done. Are you with Him or not? Because if you finally say, I don't want to do it, send somebody else, that's when God gets pretty upset. If you want to take the time and go through all of your excuses, God's going to be patient. But then if you finally end up saying, I'll send somebody else, he's not going to be happy. So quit making the excuses and just get ready to go and do. Get ready to be what God wants you to be. Start learning and growing. Start speaking. Start sharing with others the good news. And here we get to... so. Um, yeah, I got that last point. God's patient until we say we don't want to do what he asks. Then he gets angry. Don't make God angry. Just say yes and start doing. So God is sending us to share the good news with those around us. Makes no excuses. Just go for God is with us. God is with you. He will give you success. It's a great and wonderful thing to be a part of because we, you know, you think about that coronavirus. Oh, terror in the world. If it gets out of control. It already, You can't control it. You know, they're working on how to control it, but right now it's out of control. Well, you know what? Let's let the good news of Jesus, let us, let's take that to people. Let's take that and, and share that goodness with others and teach them how to share that with somebody else too so that there can be exponential growth and inf- the world can be infected with the love of Christ. And people can give their lives to Jesus here and there and everywhere. And it can, that can spread across the world. It's already happening. The question is, are we going to be a part of it like God calls us to be a part of it? Are you going to help share the love of Christ with somebody else? God says, lo, I am with you. So go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, And the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach them what I've commanded you. I'm with you. Will you do it? Don't you want to do that? It's always been the great call. I I think we think of things that we can do better in our lives. We can study the the Word of God more. We can pray more. Man, we can share it more. Let's do it. Do it. God is with you. If anybody needs to respond today in any way, I encourage you make it, make it known to the church We'll pray for you if you need to give your life to Christ, do it today once you respond as we stand together and sing..